Hey everybody, welcome to Casual Cognition. I am so sorry for the late release today. Hank and I had a little miscommunication on our uh, file uploads, and by the time I noticed it, um, he was uh, long asleep <laughs> due to our time zone differences. So I had to delay the release for a little while, but I'm getting it out on Tuesday like usual, and we've got a fun one for you. We're going to be talking about nutrition, pharmaceuticals, alternative medicine, uh, online radicalization, um, all sorts of fun things. We've, we, this is a diverse episode, so stick around. It'll be fun, and I really think you'll enjoy it. So here we go. Fire in the hole. Yeah, fire, fire in the hole. Hey, uh, Hank, you know that fire can be, uh, can be kind of dangerous sometimes. Did you know that? Did you know that you're supposed to, uh, stop, drop, and roll if you're, if you're on fire? I, I did know that. I actually learned that one the hard way. That's good. That. That's really good. Fire and hot things can, uh, be painful. Yeah, I think we all have to learn that. <laughs> I mean, can you really learn that any other way than the hard way, though? I don't know if I can keep on Kermit. doing the Kermit. Laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite voices to do. Kermit is so, such a fun one to do. Did you ever see the um, the Omegle video where some dude was doing a Kermit impression and had a Kermit puppet? And he just kept on, like, like every time he'd, he'd see somebody, he'd be like, hey, uh. What do you think of this? And he'd hold up a cucumber like it was his dick. <laughs> I can't remember if I sent you that video or not. It's one of the funniest YouTube videos I've ever seen. Like, Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've got something big for you two right here. Yeah, take a look at that. What do you think? <laughs> oh, my God. This is why I love the Internet. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you expect if you're if you're on Omegle, right? like you're just asking i mean you're gonna you're see dicks of some kind whether it's human dicks or puppet dicks that's kind of i feel like that's really the unfortunate thing about those those sites is like it was such a cool for me i thought it was such a cool idea yeah it's just like hey connect with strangers across the globe and just like for no reason other than connecting and saying hello and and getting to know each other a little bit and then like all right see you later mm -hmm. and then these depraved <laughs> fucking there's it's hard to handlers. not just straight up use the word pervert for somebody who's like <laughs> i'm just gonna jack off to people that <laughs> random people that i see on omega like it's just such an odd thing to want to do you yeah. know, I, I typically don't like the word pervert because I think that it's it's just used to shame people for harmless sexual proclivities that that make other people prude people uncomfortable. But that is like that's just like a straight pervert move. Like I'm going <laughs> to surprise people. I'm going to surprise people with my masturbation. But I, I had some fun times on Omegle. I don't know if you ever, <laughs> like... 
Is that so? Um, I, what were you? Uh, what were you doing on there, dude? <laughs> I mean, I was the guy who did the Kermit thing. I'm just kidding. That was a genius idea. I didn't come up with it. Um, but no, I um, I I'm, I'm trying to think if I if I could remember any other instances. But one particular instance that I remember, um, I didn't see that many that many dicks. You know, it, it'd be one out of every five or ten. You'd see a, a, a dong. But um, for the most part, you'd either just get random guys who were looking to talk to girls. That was like the majority of it was just like you'd connect and it'd just be a guy in a dark room and he'd just immediately skip once he saw it was two dudes. <laughs> um, so I, I think it was more, is less about weird masturbatory habits and more about like thirsty dudes desperate to try and talk to some girl somewhere in the world. It's it's like the Canadian girlfriend thing. Like, yeah, man, I've been flirting with this girl. On, now I'm going back to the Kermit. Yeah, yeah, I've been flirting with this girl on, on Omegle. Um, but that is, that that's, I'm, I'm going to put myself in the category because that's the story I'm, I remember from it was uh, Hank and I talking to these two girls, or Hank, Hank and I and Sean Oyakawa, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I think that's whose house we were at. And yeah, we, we had like a half hour conversation with these two girls who lived like across the country somewhere. And it was it was fun it was innocent you know we weren't trying to flirt with them we were just all joking around having a good time and it was a well, there was nothing wrong with a little flirtation we just weren't we weren't being creepy about exactly it, that know? and, and was, i'm sure was, there was a little flirtation in there but it wasn't we weren't trying to be creepy you know it was it was like we were having a little a little shindig but with some wait, wait real quick what real quick you think people try to be creepy? <laughs> that's a dude. That's an interesting question. Do I think people try to be creepy? Okay. Well, first of all, define creepy, like <laughs> to make people uncomfortable in a in a sexually charged way. Um, I think it's more. No, no. Let me, let me, let me, let me define it. <laughs> That's that's I've never thought about that before, but like that's what I'm here for, bro. I feel like creepy to to be creepy. It's like it's not necessarily. I guess it is often used in the in the sexual context, at least the way that uh, we've used it in antiquity. And when I say that, I mean like as high school as high schoolers. <laughs> and Might as well be antiquity <laughs> these days. We didn't even yeah even have. We were on the iPhone one back then. You, you you fucking realize what it was like for us kids? I don't think you do. It was back in the ancient days before technology. Yeah, that was that's kinda true. I mean that yeah, that was right when smartphones were coming out, mm -hmm. essentially. Um weird times. Anyways, I feel like Yeah, maybe at least in this context, we'll we'll leave the element of we'll leave the sexual part in there, right? Because, but ah, it's it's either sexual sexually charged or like violence. Like, there's some kind of nefarious, and that's why I think it's important to make this distinction because you can like, do I think people who are potentially like violent and are are 
wanting to do harm to somebody? Do I think that they might want to be intentionally creepy to try and, like, intimidate somebody? Yeah. But mm. in the sexually charged way, I, I think that it is either non-existent or very, very rare that people intend to be creepy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think this one there's not there's not much of a debate to be had around this, right? But I did just wanna Runs counter to check the goal, that out you know? for a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but I suppose there are people who Yeah, I think but I think that's really really a deep part of being creepy in this way is that you don't realize how creepy you are you know yeah and that's actually something that happens quite a bit is um and it's unfortunate it's a it's i think it's a core component of the uh the incel community which and the the simp community which now is becoming a theme of this podcast to roast um because you know i feel like it's not it's not hard to it's an easy, easy group to roast on. Like no one's gonna, no, no one's gonna be over here. Um. <laughs> got got nothing against these people, but well, they they need some guidance. I feel I feel a kinship Perhaps. with them in a certain way that I've I was very <laughs> awkward around women whenever I was a young man, um, or I should say a teenager, and um, even now, if you know, I've I've been in serious relationships most of my adult life but the in-between times when i've tried to date i'm still super awkward around uh, around the dating scene i'm not a very good flirtatious person unless the only time i'm good at flirting is when i know it's not real like when i know that this is a joke and we're not being serious like if i'm trying virtual reality (laughs) what's more like like if if like this isn't real like I can be flirty if you know if if say I'm out with my girlfriend and we're we're having fun and and this actually happened just the other night and um, somebody actually got a little offended it was kind of interesting but um uh, we it's, you know it was, uh, people were being flirty everybody's been drinking and we're making somewhat sexual jokes and you know I can be flirty in that kind of way because I know that it's like oh we're just making a joke. Like I'm not actually yeah, there's no trying stakes. to have sex with this person, and so then we can be flirty. And it was actually kind of the same sort of thing in the uh, in like the swim team locker room, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Guys would literally be flirty with each other, and you know because we all, we're all in on the joke, and you know we we know that um, we're not trying to to like uh, you know be weird or make somebody uncomfortable or do, do this or that. Like like we're just having fun. That's the only time I can really be flirty without being awkward. It's really hard for me to do it. And well, I think that's there. There's something. Uh, I think we're we're kind of uncovering something here. Like, and it's maybe something that's at the core of being creepy. Also, like, there's more elements to this that are that are coming to the fore. And I think one of them is when you can tell that that person behind those eyes and they're like looking at you through their eyebrows, you know, (laughs) like they want something from other people, you know? And it's like, they're, they're not, it's not this like natural give and take, you know? Cause like a, a, a natural flirting vibe, it's a give and take. It's like, I like you. Do you like me? 
we could have some fun together you know it's it's yeah, yeah and it's and there's there's a little there might be some ribbing and then there's like some uh compliments and like there's these there's this little back and forth mm -hmm. right but it's not just like give me <laughs> the sex <laughs> you know like because and, and that's kind of one of the things you mentioned right it's like if you're just like okay i want the sex okay how do i get the sex yeah okay i'm gonna say this and then, and you start licking you your like, lips and shit, and then it's just the, like we got the rapist Joker the? over here. <laughs> you know, you know how I got these STDs. Um, yeah, it's it's it comes down to a an intention of I need this from you, and if you don't give it to me, there may be consequences. And I think that that's where the creepiness comes in. And I don't think that that people intentionally do that. It's just it, it's like a vibe thing. It's one of those things that it's like it's hard to even without the body language thing, it's hard to kind of get past. Okay, I feel like this is something that's a little there's something a little off about this person. And you know what's really fucked up is the 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 pickup artist community that sort of tries intentionally to eliminate these these sort of bodily and linguistic cues that say and, and it's like okay this is how you actually can manipulate people to having into having sex with you and it's it, it it tries to hide that intention of like oh i have no interest in you as a person or your well-being i just want to fuck you and this is how i'm going to go about doing it without you realizing that and then once I'm done with you, I don't need to deal with you anymore. That is a very yeah, insidious you know, attitude. Yeah, and and I do th I do think that. Um, yeah, it's interesting this thing with like the pickup pickup artist community because I think there there's a lot of. Like I I haven't been exposed to very much of, of their. Um, I don't, I don't even know if it's, like, a community or if it's, like... It seems like there's a bunch of different, like, schools within this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, subsects thing. of this particular, like, weird ideology. Yeah, but but from what I, like... Because uh, my, uh, my, my... One of my brothers, my older brother, he got really into this specific uh, group. I think it's called Real Social Dynamics. Uh, and he showed me some of their stuff and actually from what I saw like these guys they were actually from what I saw they had a very healthy relationship with this thing because the focus like yeah they talk about different techniques and different whatever but like the main focus was like dude you need to like you need to fucking love yourself like that that was one one of they talked a lot about meditation they talked a lot about like this is something that you're doing for yourself this isn't something that you do to get sex yeah. from people like you if you are if you enjoy hanging out with yourself if you love yourself and you go out and you're having fun then these things that you want that you're seeking like they will come to you and you don't need to and of course there are like there are techniques that you can do to get yourself to feel more comfortable mm -hmm. in a social situation where maybe you don't feel very comfortable. And there's different like, 
you know, heuristics that you can mm -hmm. use little, little things like, okay, for example, one of the things that I heard was like, okay, if you're going to go out, like if you don't talk to somebody in the first 10 seconds of you going out, just go home. Well, shit, that's a and little, that's a little bit of a quick one. <laughs> 10 seconds, no, I but can this barely get thing. to the bar, bro. But that's the thing though is, and it, it it's like, yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's like this black and white thing, but it's also 60 like... 60 seconds, I feel like that would be... That that keeps you... Yeah, okay, a minute, right? First or f the, fir the first two minutes yeah. of you walking in, talk to somebody that you don't know because otherwise you end up like, okay, well, first I'm going to get a drink. Gives you time like, to, okay, to make up that, excuses okay. to not do it. Exactly. And then, oh, let me find a good place to sit down. And then you end up as one of those people who's just like sitting by themselves like just looking around at all the people having fun and then it's just like you're totally fucked you're like you might as well just go home. so oh, i mean it's it's but from what i saw i i just wanted to like bring in that like it's there are people that are doing this in a way that i think is really healthy because it is important for people to learn how to connect with other human beings especially in this uh, environment that we're in now where people are becoming more and more isolated and less and less comfortable uh, being in social environments and being with other people so I do want to say that from what I have seen and heard from from that particular school it seemed like it was like very healthy and it was centered around developing yourself and 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 becoming the person that you want to be not trying to get something from other people and and that's the difference between being authentic and being yourself and being fucking creepy right just so just just our luck real social dynamics is going to turn out to be like a front for a nazi group or something like that <laughs> yeah of course um but you know just uh, just as a quick disclaimer i have no idea what this is sounds like you've only briefly looked into it but your brother's a good dude it's not like i don't i don't think he'd get caught up in something really crazy but if it does turn out to be sketchy we have we're not we're not endorsing it but i i agree with you that there are there are positive versions of this and one thing that was really interesting to me and the reason why i, I have that little disclaimer in there um is that my dad had a little bit of this happen to him or he got into this sort of thing a little bit whenever um and during his his last divorce um and you know my dad is not uh, that makes it sound like he's like a serial divorcee or something <laughs> like that <laughs> you know, he, he is he's on divorce. his he's, he's on his third wife him and my mom got divorced and it was due to very complicated situations and then he married another woman and and they ended up getting divorced and they, they really like i i don't think that they should have been together in the first place but um they uh they had kind of a messy breakup and he like he got into this stuff that was initially very kind of like what you're talking about like very positive and self-focused like okay, you need to work on yourself, you need to value yourself more, you need to focus on this and this. And, like, and he actually, to his credit, I was really happy to see his, because he, he I, I told you a little bit about, like, the red pill movement, 
which is kind of mm. it, it's in and this is the this is the what I'm talking about in this example like he got into some of this stuff and it started off very positive and once he got a little bit more into it then it turned real dark and it basically it made the leap from like you need to love yourself and value yourself to you are better than women and you don't need to consider their feelings in these decisions and if they need to be more subservient to you it was like straight up and he he told me that like he was in, he was getting into this stuff and he and i was like i i knew this kind these kinds of groups ideology and how this like it's basically online radicalization I knew how this shit worked, and I warned him. I was like, just so you know, Dad, if you get deep into this stuff, you're going to see some weird shit, and, and you need to be careful about, like, where you go in these communities. And he came back to me, like, two weeks later, and he was like, yeah, I it's, I started, like, seeing what you were talking about. Like, they, they really went into some really weird shit after, uh, like I said, like, it's it's a – it's a leap from the good side to the bad side of like self-love and appreciation and valuing to you you value yourself above another class of people and um it's it's really strange how this kind of thing works and it's it's been happening for a long time this is really one of the fundamental aspects of radicalization is finding somebody who is, and I'm not saying that this real social dynamics is doing this, but um, this is why I, I like to, um, I, I always have to be very careful in what kind of thing I endorse because online, uh, just general radicalization, one of the foundations of how it works is you find somebody who is in some kind of bad way and, and is not where they want to be in life. In my dad's case, he had just gone through a really bad divorce. He was confused about what he wanted in life. And he was impressionable by a charismatic person. And in a lot of other situations, it's like, oh, well, this is a maybe a teenager that has been abused or a young person who has been, um, you know, cast out of their community. And the the entry point is, we accept you, we care about you, we want what's best for you, and we have all this sort of stuff that, these resources that can help you to get to where you wanna be. Scientology actually uses this exact same um, formula where mm. they, they will target people who are in a bad way in some, some way, shape, or form, and then once you get into it, and and start to get like the the initial benefits of being involved with any kind of community and and like you know usually in these sorts of things usually this is one of the most nefarious parts of it it's like basic shit that you could find in a lot of different stuff like general cognitive behavioral therapy or exercise or something like that and you could get it from another community but because the the community that you're seeing is actively supporting you in it and helping guide you through this then it like builds the trust and then once they start to feed you a little bit more of the crazy shit then you're a lot more likely to buy in because these are the people who've accepted you these this is your community now and right. thankfully my dad was not um 
uh, taken in by that sort of thing. But it, it's it, it happens in so many ways, and that's why I think it's it's such an important thing to have, um, or really to build because I don't think we have enough of these. But to build these more positive communities, uplifting communities that don't end up leading you towards some kind of radical ideology and you know right. are more accepting of of open-minded discussion or more just like singularly focused like this was one of the weird things about this stuff that he got into is that it started off individual based and ended up like uh, with like a societal viewpoint like a political viewpoint basically yeah, I think that's that's kind of an easy like red flag. Mm -hmm. As soon as you start hearing stuff like where now you have different groups and va and like value judgments based on as soon as it starts going to the group group yeah. stuff, it's just like, "Okay, wait a minute. Really wait a minute be. here." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so that that's a good point. It's 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 definitely important to be be aware of that but it's so weird to me because it's like why not just leave it with the positive like support group where it's all about love and growing together and like <laughs> because that's that it. We doesn't don't... <laughs> get people to open up their pocketbooks bro <laughs> that's, yeah it's true and and that i know that's not always the case a lot of times it is like an, an emotional ideologically driven thing but so many of these kinds of um radicalization communities end up somehow funneling money from pe from these kinds of people up to whoever's doing it that's a, that uh, once again scientology that's exactly what they do that's their whole Dude, that's model. actually that's actually really interesting because um I just watched like right before this my girlfriend was watching this um this docu-series on Netflix I think it's called Unwell and I think I've was, heard of that one but I can't remember it was, exactly what it was all about Yeah, it was very interesting. So I don't know like what their whole thing ex like what the what the the high level thing like ideas behind the the docuseries mm -hmm. but like it's kind of like this investigative journalism thing where they it seems like they're talking a lot about different um what would you call it like holistic health kind of stuff mm -hmm. like um or i don't know if that's that's not quite the right term that i'm looking for but alternate for example that yeah maybe alternative, alternative health, health stuff health. like Stuff. Like there was um there's one on like ayahuasca and one on um bee therapy and essential bee oils therapy. and different stuff like that. you haven't heard of that? Like getting stung by bees? Yeah. Oh bee venom <laughs> therapy. Interesting. Dude, I'm surprised you haven't heard of that. That's a huge thing in Sedona. Oh bro. I mean, there's a lot of things in Sedona that I that I actively ignored as being okay. I'm not there yet, fellas. I'm not there. So, yet. this is the interesting thing with uh, with essential oils, like, and and this is one thing I really liked about it is from what I saw, it seemed very unbiased. So, like, it it 
in my in my interpretation of it like they weren't trying to like be like see look essential oils are bad or like see look you, essential oils cure you unwell. of cancer yes okay. it's called unwell yeah. but it was interesting because it, it had a lot of things from both sides yeah um so i'll just mention briefly like a few of the things that i found interesting from it one was they kind of they were kind of exposing because what a lot of people don't realize is that like the essential oil industry is a multi-trillion dollar yeah. or i guess it's like the wellness like the alternative medicine the alternative is a wellness massive, massive industry trillion multi-trillion yeah. dollar industry right so it's like they're it's getting to the point where they're almost like able to compete with big pharma not quite but like it's they're getting to that point yeah. where like they're there as an industry it's a huge thing as well yeah um, and one of the things that they exposed was how some of the biggest companies in the U.S. that are selling essential oils are um, <laughs> what they call nowadays multi-level marketing companies. So they're fucking <laughs> yeah. they're pyramid, pyramid schemes. schemes. <laughs> yeah, they're literally pyramid schemes. Um, and they it, it was just super interesting because they showed like. They just showed both sides, like a lot of people who have really benefited and really believe in the stuff. And then this other side where like there's corporate interests and like there's a I think there's a, a lawsuit going on right now because there was like. It's just crazy, like it's because on one hand, like how they get around it being a pyramid scheme is like, well, I mean, we're selling a product, right? But the thing is, is like it's it's a little sketchy like they they force you if you if you're gonna make any commission you have to buy at least it was yeah. like a hundred dollars of product yeah and you have to have a bunch of people in your downline to like even make any money at all so there's like i think it was a crazy amount of people funneling you know, money all the people the at top. the bottom <laughs> yeah exactly all the people at the bottom who are just like yeah, that's how pyramid it's just like, oh, it's work. easy. All you do is you just talk about essential oils and then people will buy and you make money. And it's just like, I mean, you, you can definitely make a bunch of money doing that, but you have to be up at the top. You, you have yeah. to create the pyramid below you. And like, so, so that was really interesting. But, um, and then they were talking about how a lot of people are like making claims with essential oils about how they can cure cancer and all of this different stuff yeah. and like how the FDA like they basically made it illegal to make any claims like that um which if you're selling you essential oils sort of which is FDA, like that makes sense for like you should yeah. not be able to make a claim on your product that it you know it it is one thing if you want to say like and this is what a lot of these things have, have begun to do and I think that it's more okay that this may have an impact on your body's ability to or, or like like may have a preventative effect on on preventing illness in this way or that way like yeah if you you know it's it's the same sort of ideas like if somebody has cancer has um, you know say or, or, or let's just say heart disease and you say oh going out to exercise will cure your heart disease like no that's not a that's not a valid statement but if yeah. you were to say that oh well if you know if you did this exercise for a while then 
you may have been able to prevent your heart disease. That's not saying that exercise is a cure for heart disease. It's saying that it yeah. is a preventative measure that likely has an effect on things. And so you're, you're giving this like scientific ambiguity in there. And so that's, that's one of the big reasons why the FDA made rulings on this stuff is that they would make these like definitive statements of like this can be used for this. And it's like, no, that's not true. There's no fucking evidence of what you're, what you're saying and what the evidence that you can put forth is a lot more of like, if you have certain types of like nutrients in your body, you're less likely to get this. That doesn't make it a cure or a treatment. And it's yeah, very so, important to have those like like linguistic terms down whenever you're talking about scientific material. Yeah, and especially when it comes to like these are people who are they have a business yeah. and their business is selling essential oils so and a profit motive. Yeah, it's like to me, even if they believe it, like, and you know, people have experienced a lot of you know there's all kinds of, there's always going to be miracle stories yeah. about different treatments and like we we all know how powerful the placebo effect is and yeah and we also do know that essential oils can have a really powerful effect on on people in various different ways one of the things that they brought up in the in the documentary that I was actually really surprised by cuz I'm going to I'm going to come out and say it I fucking love essential oils. I think they're <laughs> awesome. I I re, I think they they have a lot of value with like aromatherapy and and there's a lot of really um, really powerful medicinal compounds that are present in essential oils. But like they can also be toxic. So it's not just like what you know, like you have to know what you're doing. Like for example, uh, there's one there's this oregano oil which is supposed to be really good for, um, you know, like it's like antiviral yeah. and antibacterial and like they're yeah, and it's supposed to be good like for your that, immune that kind system. Of stuff for uh, whenever whenever I do get like a like a mild cold and it does seem to help like olive leaf extracts, oregano oil, um, yeah. echinacea, you know, this herbal stuff. Like I I take that kind of stuff whenever I get the odd cold here and there. I'm not gonna take it if I get cancer. I'm not going to think of it as like a COVID treatment if I get a severe case of COVID. But for getting yeah, a that, mild sickness and, and feeling a little under the weather, I think that that stuff does help me. I really do. Yeah, and who knows? Like, it, it maybe it does have a – I think the main thing they're trying to prevent is, like, people that are going to just, like, you know, take – take oregano oil in, instead, uh, instead of, of proper medical something else something right serious. and like yeah and it depends on what it is right maybe oregano oil does cure specific things like we we, we don't have enough information about this to know mm -hmm. for sure but but we do know that like some that essential oils have certain properties like we know a tea tree oil, for example, has really strong antifungal, yeah. antiviral, antibacterial properties. So yeah, that's really stuff good is for like great cleaning for fungal skin, fungal skin infections. Yeah, like if it's you amazing. Have, um, it's... If you have, if if like your hands are peeling a lot, I get that a lot. Um, it's almost like athlete's foot for your hands, because like uh, either wearing gloves hey. for work or something <laughs> like that, or yeah, like you, you, my hands will sometimes get this really peely thing on them. And if I use tea tree oil for that, and it works great. 
And yeah, and the it's thing one is, of the like, only things that has worked. I've used actual like medicated antifungal creams on my hands, and it didn't. And then the tea tree oil worked, and that other stuff didn't work. Yeah, and and uh, you know, there's it's important to recognize, and also everybody reacts to compounds in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like, so tea tree oil is really, really strong, and Very it's strong. generally recommended to use a carrier oil. Yeah. So you mix it with something like coconut oil or uh, olive oil or mix it with coconut oil yeah because otherwise it can have like you can literally get ca like um uh with with oregano oil i got it on my skin once mm -hmm. just pure oregano oil and like it it caused a super like a mild but burn. like a chemical <laughs> yeah, burn literally burn. like yeah got super red super dry was, and flaky and i got an i got some kind of weird skin condition right around both of my eyes one time and I went to the uh, like I asked a doctor about it and they basically just said that they, they gave me some kind of like medication that I could take. But they were like, it's a it's, it's kind of like just a, like a simple dermatitis and it will go it will likely go away. But they told me like if it starts spreading to uh, to come back because it was it was around my eyes and it could have caused some kind of problem. And I did use the tea tree oil for that. And I had to use the carrier oil because if I put the bare stuff on there, I like couldn't open my eyes because the fumes were so powerful. But that did it fucking yeah. worked. It worked. Yeah. Like it was it yes. was there for like a month. And then I used this stuff on it and it was gone within like a few days. Yeah. It really so, did help. So we know that that this stuff works for certain things. There's, some, there's, something, there's something in, in there. there. There's really <laughs> powerful medicinal compounds, but it, it is important to know what they are yeah. and and like what's happening and like um and not just think that it can cure anything you know just because yeah, it cured that kind of dermatitis doesn't mean i'm gonna use it on you know fucking hookworm or something like that like it can't just it, yeah it, it, it's not a miracle cure yeah so it's important to know like okay what are the properties of this what is it used for and then how what are my symptoms like is this life-threatening yeah like, am I am I about to die of sepsis? Like, then I should go to the hospital. Don't be right? a Steve but if Jobs and think that your fucking diet can cure your cancer and then die. Like, there's lots of examples of this happening. So, but I do want to point out the one of the things that they mentioned um, in the in the docu series, and this is something I found really cool because this this lady was talking and she was like. She was very skeptical in a way like she was like, hey, you can't just say that this shit cures cancer when we don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was like, you know, that's a that's important. Like they've done studies on essential oils, but a lot of them have been in like bacteria and mice and, yeah. and so on. And it's like so we don't know for sure how it's going to act in humans. There's plenty and of my thought is like to be meant to be had. We should have, yeah, of those, course, but and we should we should continue looking into it. And I think it, there's really promising therapies that we can we can use. Um, but and again, just to finish this thought, that's that's keeps coming in here. This study, this is actually I was really surprised by, even as somebody who believes that there's really, um, really useful and powerful ways to use these compounds. They did a study um on humans mm -hmm. uh with anxiety and they gave one group uh 
what is it, lorazepam? So an which antidepressant is like, or an anti or like basically like a an, not an antidepressant, but a um, it's an anti-anxiety yeah. medication. They used to call it's them like, like antipsychotics, I think, or something like that. But it's it's basically just a little bit of a calm you down drug, right? You said exactly. Lorazepam. It's, yeah. So it's, it's in my understanding, people. Taps, but, you know, kind of like a it's probably a it's probably a benzodiazepine, the um, kind of like a clonazepam or a, um, a Xanax. Yeah, let's see. I'm just going to look it up real yeah. quick. Lorazepam. That's that's what that's what we need to do more on this more on this show. Yeah. It's, so it's a benzo. I knew it was okay. a, dude. I fucking called it. Damn. Yeah, so it's it's a super smart, super powerful. Like it's a serious pharmaceutical medication. Well, I mean, if it's it's an anti-anxiety, it's probably going to be a benzo. Yeah, I mean, in in my understanding, benzos are. Yeah. Okay. Every time it's, I, uh, hey, I gotta watch out for setting my phone down next to the fucking audio box. The interference if I get like a like an email or something fucks with the mic. Oh yeah, I, I'm just looking here. Like okay, let's let's just check out some of the side effects to see like how how gnarly it is. So it's not like crazy. It's not something it's probably similar um, to Xanax. You know, either way, it's benzos, right? Yeah. So it's it's pharmaceutical grade medication it's strong stuff they gave one group lorazepam and they gave the other group a uh lavender oil uh essential lavender Mm -hmm. oil treatment and they didn't know what they were getting right they had no idea Mm -hmm. and the conclusion of the study was that both groups uh lowered their anxiety equally interesting and i was actually pretty surprised by I'm that because generally that, although no no go on i'm not that surprised but generally from what i've from what i've um seen in like from what i've experienced like pharmaceutical medications are really fucking strong Mm-hmm. And they tend to come with a lot of gnarly side effects, yeah. and I think they can be really dangerous. and t- And actually, many of them are toxic, mm-hmm. uh, as we talked about in one of the previous previous episodes with um, this discovery that Brett Weinstein made with the with the lab rats and their their ability. Like, uh, I don't rem- I don't know if you remember this, but how basically all of the lab rats that we're using for testing these different medications have a really high ability to deal with toxicity mm-hmm. due to um, basically the the breeding process. Um, I, sh- I should point, I-, I wish I knew exactly what episode it was that he talked about this, but it was a really, f- really fascinating episode. Either way, like, that's one of the reasons why we have this huge opioid epidemic um, and why it was so unforeseen is because it's actually way more toxic than well, we realized. Well, I will say that um, the with the opioid stuff, I don't know this about the Brett Weinstein thing, but 
the opioid stuff in particular, the the researchers knew that it was it was addictive. It didn't it, it didn't it didn't have anything to do with lab rats. They knew that it was no, but that's was specifically. They knew it was addictive, but they didn't know that people were gonna fucking die. Oh, they in the did. Numbers oh, they did. That they they absolutely. I mean, maybe not in the same numbers, but they absolutely did. There is there's um, different communications that have been shown that the researchers involved, um, particularly with um, the Sackler family, and um, like they they knew that this stuff was highly addictive and highly dangerous. They and they just covered it up, and they paid scientists to misinterpret their own data it was very very surprise surprise yeah um and you know it's um i was uh, i don't know about this toxicity thing but the entire methodology of psychological medications and how they're developed is flawed and um whenever uh whenever you say that like our that the 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 lavender oil people and the uh benzo people had their anxiety lowered the same amount to me in one way you could interpret that in that lavender oil is an effective treatment for anxiety but i would actually say that it just shows um and it could be maybe lavender oil is but I think that it more shows um, that benzodiazepines. I, I always I, I can never figure out how to fucking say that word. I need to look how uh, how to actually pronounce it. But I think it's benzodiazepine. That's probably right. Benzodiazepine, benzodiazepines, Xanaxes, Lorazepam. You can just call them peens. Peens. Um, <laughs> Uh, clonazepam they're highly ineffective in actually treating anxiety they're basically just sedative drugs and i i've personally i actually one time accidentally took some of my mom's clonazepam thinking it it was like the same size and general color as uh as the claritin that i had been taking at the time and my mom took uh, clonazepam. I, I, I had, I've had to force feed my mom clonazepam multiple times um, whenever I was younger because it is, it is an extremely powerful sedative drug. And the, uh, the very idea of using, that out of context is kind of it sounds fucking crazy, but <laughs> no, this is uh, like people. Uh, I can't remember if I had mentioned this kind of thing on this but my mom was very very mentally ill and w- when i'm talking about this sort of thing it's it was like when she was in in um extreme danger of hurting herself and the her doctor actually specifically had conversations with me telling me like this is how to give give her the dose this is how much you can give her safely this is how much you should wait in between each dose and by force feed i'm not like fucking shoving her down her throat but normally she would be in like a full on like freaking out episode. And so by force feed, what I'm meaning is I'm I'm like kind of holding her head and trying to tell her to calm down. And then I, 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 I would put the, the pill under her tongue. That's how we would uh, that's how we actually got a special kind of uh, 
orally dissolvable version of this pill so she didn't have to mm. actually like swallow it with water i'd just place it mm. underneath her tongue while she was going through one of these episodes so that's what i mean by force feed i'm not fucking you know i'm not i'm not shoving a pill down my mouth, mouth get, get, get that fucking shit in there <laughs> like i'm not doing that but you know it's essentially force feed you know it's 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 without her being able to consent to taking this medication i was giving her these medications which her doctor advised me to do if she had one of these episodes because she could have hurt herself and she did try to hurt herself many times um and that was usually when i when i had to do this whenever she was actively trying to hurt herself and so i witnessed what these do to people and it's not a fucking anti-anxiety drug it is a sedative it's a tranquilizer essentially yeah and so if you want to say that oh turning people from like oh i'm freaking out i'm having an anxiety to like like you're not treating their anxiety you're just completely cutting off their ability to cognitively function for a while yeah you're you're just yeah and and this has been one of my main gripes with the way that a lot of like treatments are in western medicine is they are these cover-up solutions that just cover up the symptoms because this like you say like okay so you're taking this pill and when you take the pill you don't feel anxious anymore but as soon as you stop taking anymore that's the exactly so not only do you not feel anxious but you don't feel period and as soon as you stop taking the pill you feel anxious again right so it's like is that a treatment or is that just like that's just covering up the symptoms and then the underlying issue isn't being addressed and that's one of the things that that i really appreciate about um like a lot of the ways that traditional medicines work is especially in the east is like obviously this is if it's a legit practitioner the first thing they're going to ask you is what is your what is your average day look like yeah like and they're gathering information like about your lifestyle your they're gathering information about yeah. exactly what are you eating how much water are you drinking how much yeah. do you exercise how much do you spend time with people that you love what is your work and how do you feel about that how do you feel like they're like and that is all going to that is all super super valuable information yeah. And many of the issues that we have have roots in the way that we are living our lives on a day-to-day basis and just giving you a pill so you don't feel anything. It's like that's that doesn't fucking solve anything. And 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 I know that these can be really effective uh, treatments for some people. That is one thing I wanted to mention. Certain times, like this was necessary in their lives. She yeah, did and, need and this, this was and and she and, was it yeah. wasn't because of some spontaneous thing like she had actual like physical things going on with her body. So this like in this situation I'm not like her doctor thank God for for her doctor Judith Hunt. Shout out to Judith Hunt. She's literally saved my mom's life and was a wonderful wonderful person. And she um she knew that my mom needed this but she like our goal wasn't to 
treat her symptoms with pills. It was like, this is a stopgap measure to make sure she doesn't commit suicide in an episode until we can yeah. figure out like how to treat her for this other stuff that's going on. And that's what these sort of medications should be used for. And that's why we can't just like say that like, oh, you should, you know, benzos should just be outlawed and we should never use that sort of thing. And you see the same sort of thing with opioids. Like, yeah, you have a fucking gunshot victim coming in and they're freaking out and they're going to, you know, through their movement, they're going to cause their wound to be exacerbated. It's very valuable to sedate them and to give yeah. them pain medication and get them through that yeah. situation. If somebody has For a sure. broken leg or something like that, or like me, um, is, it had gone through surgery and is going to be recovering for a couple of weeks. It can be very valuable to for them to have some pain medication so that they can be more relaxed and, and, and rest better. But the, the problem comes in in using these um, solutions that are designed to be temporary, designed to be a, a, a stopgap measure before we figure out or, or before we have the, the opportunity to fix the root problem and instead this becomes your solution to the root problem. That's where it really becomes yeah. pro uh, a big issue. Yeah, so I'm really glad you bring that up because I know that like, w yeah, like this is something that we've talked about quite a few times on the podcast and like we are very critical of the way that our medical system works in a lot of ways i think we've done a pretty good job of also recognizing the miraculous nature mm -hmm. like there, there's both there's two two ends to the coin right like there's there's amazing things that we can do with this technology and a many countless lives have been saved with the use of things like antibiotics like we, we've talked about this multiple times right so it's like yeah antibiotics that's a fucking amazing invention that has saved countless lives but it's also played a small role in or maybe even a large role in the general dis-ease of modern humans by its overuse and now we have yeah. this thing where people are so fucking fragile from an immune standpoint because they're they're the biodiver the diversity of their microbiome is just completely nuked and destroyed so they have mm -hmm. no resilience against things like virus thing yeah viruses and bacteria and stuff that are supposed to be a natural part of the goings-on of the gut and of the human body like we are a huge proportion of our genetic material is literally bacteria and viruses and fungi like yeah it's you know so by by destroying all of that because you have a fucking cold like and and this is again like it's it's this thing where they're like they're just trying to get rid of the symptoms right they're like that's that's what a that's what the antibiotic is doing and uh, at least the way it, um the way that it's used a lot of the time i'm not saying like obviously if you have sepsis or something like this isn't just getting rid of the symptoms this is also like you know this is actually something that is curing the problem which is that you have fucking bacteria or i mean yeah you have too much shit in your blood right like yeah. you're you're getting completely overloaded and so 
like that's the perfect case where it's like that's a great time to use antibiotics right yeah but when if you have a cold and you take it just to get rid of the symptoms because you don't want to have a stuffy nose or a headache or whatever okay great but now you're more likely to get a cold yeah now you're less resilient against bacteria and viruses in the future and you have to start from fucking ground zero building building back up and it's like that's and there's no protocol for that either yeah like we we know that that these probiotic pills like they make a tiny difference yeah, while you're taking them and then as minuscule. soon as you stop taking them <laughs> it, like, it basically does nothing it but what about does nothing but like, what about having drink a some fucking raw goat diet. milk yeah like a like if you have that'll give you some fucking microbes like taking but that's illegal taking probiotic pills jesus christ is so much less effective than just going out and drinking a fucking kombucha it's like yeah or eating fiber or, eating or having or something that's yeah having like, fermented yeah, foods yeah. like it's it's very simple and also i mean literally i i, I feel like the raw milk thing <laughs> I, can heard... get a little tricky because there are reasons there are reasons why raw milk is not allowed in the uh in it to be sold and it has and to, i get it it has i to get do that with, they're you know it's it basically just has to do with safety regulations like it's really hard to ensure a safe product with raw milk if you're mass producing it for if you're sure. mass producing it that's the thing is, is that it in, and that's how the fda has to operate with the things like this it's kind of like if if we can't ensure that we can have a product to a, a safe product to a million people it's hard for us to say to approve it and yeah. and so that's why the raw milk thing is a is a little tricky but yeah it's yeah, it's it's unfortunate though because it's not like it's illegal. That's something like you can sell raw milk individually. You just can't produce it in a in a yeah. It's way. basically impossible to find you unless yeah, you, you live in a rural area. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a farmer. farmer's market kind of thing. Like you have to you have to buy it direct. You can't produce it for use in a store or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, I get the I get the re, you know the reasoning behind it and everything, but it's also it's like how many fucking people die from salmonella <laughs> every year, and it's like they're still fucking selling eggs and chicken like like uh what's the what's the phrase there hotcakes <laughs> <laughs> selling like hotcakes. <laughs> Uh, you know what else is I in those hot cakes? I think that's a really cakes? old saying. Eggs and milk. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, it just it, it just bothers me that like, cause the the whole thing. I think I think I've talked about this before too. But like, if you get milk that isn't homogenized and like isn't uh, pasteurized and processed, and basically like what you're doing is you're killing. Is the, uh, the, is the one is actually like it's it's allowed to not be homogenized, but you can't have non-pasteurized milk yeah and basically what what pasteurizing does is like you heat it up and you just kill the microbial activity yeah which in most cases if the if the cattle or if the animals are healthy and they're they're in a, cl a mm -hmm. clean environment it's beneficial. like outside then it's good it's beneficial we can benefit from it <laughs> uh, of course if you don't have a 
lactose issue or whatever. This is a, um, this gets into our issue with with factory farming too, though. If we didn't exactly. have this fucked up way that we gather milk from cows, the 100%. pasteurization process would not be necessary. If yeah. we actually raise cows the way that that we should in a humane and ethical way then it wouldn't be an issue or it would be a such a minute issue that we wouldn't need to legislate it but we have this and fucked up factory farming style and that leads to a lot of potential issues in the in the raw milk and i actually think i obviously as you all know have been listening to this podcast like we I have no idea what we're talking about here, but like <laughs> we're I, talking out of our asses, but <laughs> we're talking out I'm of our asses. Pretty but confident I, I, in, in, in at least <laughs> the general efficacy of what I just said. Yeah, and and I, I I seriously think that if people were drinking raw milk instead of this pasteurized dead shit, we would have way less lactose intolerance. We would have way less issues oh, yeah, with with, with sure. leaky gut and with all these fucking weird things that we have i mean that's obviously related to antibiotics and leaky and like just gut, eating dude. pizza that's such a fucking like and that's such a rough diagnosis it's really rough and it, and it's like it's that's one of those ones that it's like it's painfully accurate yeah to what's happening on a like on a you're you're burning holes in your stomach lining no like you're literally leaking shit that's supposed to be going it through your intestines into your bloodstream <sighs> and it's just like that is not <sighs> not good <sighs> yeah so that's rough shit man but i it was funny i did hear i think it was paul check uh he was like <laughs> he was saying that that was his um he's like that's that was what he said like he's like if you have to take antibiotics for one reason or another like he's he's kind of also like avoid antibiotics at all costs, but of course sometimes you have to take it. Yeah. But his recommendation was if you if you do have to take it, then see if you can get your hands on some raw goat milk to like inoculate mm -hmm. your gut afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's actually it would be interesting. I would love to see a study. That would be that would be really on, interesting like on different methods so like everybody takes antibiotics they measure the mi microbial activity in their gut before and after and then they have different um different diets and like different different protocols for trying to re-inoculate the mm -hmm. microbial activity and to see like what makes the biggest difference yeah because my my immediate recommendation would be to drink kombucha once a day for a couple of weeks you know, yeah, I mean, I think that that would probably help. I would say, yeah, fermented foods in general, yeah. lots of fiber, like oats. It's not gonna, it's not vegetables, gonna vegetables. Like, a very diet your problems, but um, but it is, it can uh, it, it can definitely help in that pro. And and that's that's one of the things I like about kombucha is that it's a prebiotic and a probiotic. To where it provides and it's delicious. Your, oh yeah, oh yeah. Once you get I it, once you get booch. a taste for it, you're 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 you'll love it forever um I'll, I'll hand one that to me tastes like sweet and delicious and somebody in that is like that just tastes like pure vinegar to me like <laughs> i don't even really taste it anymore but um but yeah it's it's uh it provides your 
your gut biome with both fresh influxes of living bacteria and also the things that that bacteria will feed upon. So I think that that's one mm. of the cool things about it. And, uh, and I, I have absolutely seen direct digestive health benefits from drinking kombucha um, after either after having antibiotics or, or just like generally having digestive issues and I'll, I'll drink it regularly for a little while and then it goes away um but you know it, this this sort of like nuanced view i think is really important of, of this health stuff because it, it's it's really it's so important for us to understand that with all our precious science we don't fully understand the human body and it's not even like we're 99% there. Like, we're not even close. There's so much no. about the human body that we are still trying to figure out and is very uncertain. And that's why anytime you see a study about, like, studies finds that this particular thing will do this particular thing for this kind of person. It's like if, if it's about how the human body functions and putting something into it and it will get this outcome – Take it with a massive grain of salt because those studies are very rarely replicated. And when they are redone, it's hard to replicate the results because the human body is so dynamic and so difficult to predict. And, and it's so, so many diverse. Yeah, there's so we many have, There's variables. so much biochemical individuality, right? We all have these different genetic yeah. lineages and like epigenetic um triggers from Lifestyle various environmental lens there's yeah, it's, so much that goes into it and and you know it's that's why whenever people start to say like oh well actually it's this the sort of thing about this it, it gets really fucking frustrating with it to me it's, it's like okay this requires like intensive scientific evaluation and even then there's probably going to be some ambiguity in there do you really think that you because you read something on facebook know the definitive truth about this no you don't i'm sorry yeah and that actually brings me to i think something another really important thing to mention here is like so we what we need to do here is like yeah i think studies can be helpful like i like obviously we're not saying like all studies are bullshit and there's no point to even look at them because no, there's no. so much it's like but that you know they can give us a little bit of a like okay so their data points given this given this study yeah it's like okay n equals one even though they might have had n equals whatever like okay this set of data points in this direction so like okay interesting but I think it's also really like the most important thing, especially when it comes to our health. It's not to listen to whatever studies or like the latest diet or like all there's or the fate or the post or the friend or what, like how about we listen to our fucking bodies because our yeah. bodies are always giving us information about everything first of all everything around us we're always receiving energy but like or um, information energy information same same mm -hmm. thing really but like 
if you really take the time to like just okay let's say let's say this as an example because because we, we like to give practical practical advice here on the podcast right we, mm -hmm. we you know we get a little esoteric sometimes we get a little out there but i think it is important to like give some practical things like how about try this mm -hmm. next time you eat try laying down on your left side oh, closing like, your like, eyes like going like like side side sleeping taking a nap on your left side yes yes left side close your eyes and just focus on your process of digestion one of the things that you can do to aid digestion is breathing mm -hmm. so through you your can, stomach not through your chest yeah taking some deep breaths into your stomach helps to move around and get yeah get, get things, things moving there moving. and just and just focus on the digestion and you might find or you will find depending on what you're eating sometimes you'll be like oh my stomach feels weird or like oh it kind of hurts my stomach or sometimes it'll feel really good sometimes you'll feel oh i'm so satisfied that was so delicious and like oh that feels really good and you will actually start to recognize and develop an understanding of what kinds of foods you are healthy for you because this is the thing dude like um i think a great example of this is nightshades so this is the class of yeah, they, of yeah. uh, vegetables like um tomatoes potatoes um bell peppers yeah different kinds of peppers stuff like that it's it's a yeah, nightshade mess and with some people's stomachs and they don't mess with other people's stomachs Exactly. So this is a thing where it's like when you look at it, it's like, wow, look at all these healthy compounds, especially with um, with tomatoes. Right. Yeah. It's like, wow, so much vitamin C has more vitamin C than a lemon and like all this stuff. Some people don't and it's agree like, with these tomatoes too much. Exactly. And then Some people pizza and they don't know why the fuck they feel like shit afterwards. Oh, well, I think I think we can safely say that it's probably not the tomatoes that are making you feel like shit after eating <laughs> pizza but, <laughs> well, I mean, but i'm talking like it could quality be. pizza you know good bread actual tomatoes and and you know it could it, it, it could be for sure i mean you it, with pizza it's very likely that it could be the any of the things that are in or there it could the be bread. the dairy it could be the gluten but but the point is is like so even things that everybody agrees are healthy for certain populations, they it's it it actually has kind a kind of a toxicity almost, and yeah. it's like it's not good for certain people. That it has certain compounds that they can't really digest, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's the kind of thing where and it is interesting. That's actually one of the directions that we're moving, and it's something that is really cool that we can do with science that we're learning more about is like this kind of. Um, these diet recommendations based on genetics and based on things that we know because like we know for example that uh genetics have a have a big impact on your ability to digest lactose for example mm -hmm. and it could be an epigenetic thing for sure like we don't know exactly what's going on there but we know that there are genetic factors that relate to how we um because it's related to our biochemical nature and how we interact with these different compounds yeah, and so just straight up evolutionary history you know if you're if exactly you're somebody who's um been living 
in the in the far north, like you're an in, 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 Inuit person um, up in northern Canada, and you've been your ancestors have been there for thousands of years, and you've been subsisting on mostly meat and animal fats, yeah. with a little bit of of vegetation mixed in there. Your body's gonna handle meat and animal fats a lot better. Yeah, and, and you're you're not gonna you're not gonna do well if somebody tries to come and push a vegetarian diet on you. And that's the thing, like, it's it's those populations, like, th- there's there's very measurable physical characteristics that we can see. Yeah, where it's like they have way shorter digestive tracts. Yeah, right. It's so important, I will say it's important to not not like. Like this is one of those arguments that that people have used for some iffy shit in the past. Like people have, it gets into the kind of like eugenics kind of thing of like you can predict somebody's capabilities and behavioral patterns based upon their genetics, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about specifically like dietary stuff and and just like very basic bodily processes we're not saying that we're not uh, we're not trying to make the leap that yeah and you can predict uh, yeah, of um, course positives and negatives about somebody based on their ancestral genetics no it has it has nothing to do with that yeah. to, to, when people try to do that it's just it's just fucking bullshit it's, like it's, we're, we're talking about and and this is the thing like this is a starting point this doesn't mean that oh because my ancestry is from the north that means I should only eat meat. That's no, no, the no. big thing. That's that's what is is really important for people to understand is that genetics are incre- incredibly complicated, and you can it's it's another one of those, it's like this is a data point. This is something to take yes. into account. It's and not it's, to be used to predict what is going to be. It's what to, it should be used for, in my opinion, is a starting point for okay this is likely a good place to start in terms of my dietary needs yeah. like for example for me um i'm like like 90% of my genes are coming from northern europe you're straight up okay? whiteman i'm i'm i have a little bit of su- like and the rest is like southern european right <laughs> so it's like it's literally like i I'm a fucking Neanderthal, basically, right? And <laughs> and Did one of the things that you not have any Native that, American in your uh, oh no, because you were no, you were born. I can't remember if you were born in America or born in Sweden. I was born in Sweden. That's what I thought. And, uh, and on my mom's side, her her ancestors um, are like they were they were very recent um immigrants, immigrants. to the states so like they they were uh, you know irish english polish italian like one or two generations immigrants so like they were very um fresh yeah to to america but um the point is like okay so i know from a genetic standpoint basically all of my ancestry for a long long time thousands of years have been residing in northern europe and if we look at what that looks like well okay in the winter you don't really have any vegetables growing yeah you're probably for the most part mushrooms meat dairies 
um, animal fats, stuff like that. Yeah, so so this is the thing is it, it gets a little bit complicated and and it gets very interesting also. Um, but like just just as a we're not going to get super deep into this, but like generally what we what we have found is like um, so this so this is what you would call a polar type po like uh, populations that reside toward the poles. They generally do better with more fat and protein but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean they shouldn't eat vegetables it's just that they have a higher percentage they generally will will feel better and do well with a higher percentage of fat and protein now again this is what we're saying is this is a good starting point right this isn't okay i'm going to have 66 percent fat and protein and 33 percent vegetables at every single meal no 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 because this is the thing <laughs> And this is actually really interesting. So if we talk about like here in Scandinavia, you have, we have cycles, we have seasons. And in the summer, you have a bunch of cruciferous vegetables. You have berries growing, which mm -hmm. are, yes, they're low glycemic index, but you have a lot more fruits and vegetables, mostly berries, not very many fruits, but like a lot of low glycemic fruits. And so it's like, you have this natural cycle where it's like they weren't just eating only meat all year round. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the winter, they're basically only eating meat. And that also makes sense because it's fucking freezing cold outside. You need more energy. You need more because like uh, fat is super high density in terms of energy. So it's interesting how exactly what you would need to survive is what's more present. And then in the summer, oh, you have sunshine. It's super nice. And then you have nice little berries. You have a lot of antioxidants. You have... It's so weird uh, that we would have the things that we need to survive what available a at the time that we need to use it. It's almost yeah. as if we evolved to eat this way in various exactly. different regions. Yeah, it's and it's just... almost as if if we go against that completely, there are going to be consequences <laughs> that are not favorable to our yeah. uh, survival. A lot of this really does come back to our our running theme of a sort of evolutionary way of looking at human behavior and trying to bring it back. Like that's one thing about if somebody gets uh, to bring it back to the beginning somebody gets a little like too overzealous about something like essential oils or something and you know typically somebody like that is going to be shitting on uh like pharmaceutical medicine uh, or or you know a, a militant vegan or or a militant carnivore those have come up too of people who are like eh, the best way to do it is just only meat um if you look at somebody like that, it's it's it, it makes it very obvious that they're not thinking about they're they're all thinking in the same way. Whether it's the pharmaceutical industry or the ideologue or something like this, like we've found something that can beat nature. We've outsmarted our 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 natural proclivities we figured out a better way than evolution did and in, in that by by following this thing that could have never possibly have happened in any of our evolutionary history except for very very recently 
we can we can go around these problems that arise and that is what I, is what i think is just kind of fundamentally flawed thinking is that we can outsmart nature and outdo nature and, and how is that even possible like we fucking are nature yeah <laughs> I, I don't get it it, it it and that's what people are doing in my opinion they're separating themselves from the natural world and it's like okay you think essential oils can cure cancer why why the fuck would we have evolved in that way you know what cures cancer your immune system that's typically what like cancer rates are are almost non-existent in indigenous peoples it just doesn't fucking happen and you know it's we we've we've come up with all these weird systems that cause problems because we've think we thought like this this is this is the one of the fundamental things about the human condition in my opinion is that we've we've come up with okay we have some problems we're going to outsmart those problems and then those outsmarting methods come up with more problems and we're gonna yeah, they cause those 20 problems. more problems than then, <laughs> we started with and that's basically like that's uh, that started over here and here we are in a modern society still yeah, trying to solve a thousand years the of problems that and and here we are yeah, <laughs> we've got a million fucking problems and we're trying to solve them all because we kept we keep on trying to solve problems and outsmart nature and it's just not gonna happen and yeah. you know, I do think that it's it's possible for us to, as Chris Ryan says, build ourselves a San Diego Zoo for humanity, where we're not just going back to full. It's not just like a full return to monkey thing, where we're going back to just being a hunter gatherer, because I don't think that that's possible either. But we can, well, especially structure. considering the the population yeah. <laughs> population and the number of uh yeah it's just not really f- that no, lifestyle not, is not feasible, not feasible with this many people it's not feasible and that's another thing that that is really frustrating about a lot of these ideological things is that it's 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 selfish and and i mean that in the, the most literal way it's self-focused if you are somebody who says um well i'm i'm i just eat meat i'm a carnivore and i think that that's what is the healthiest way to do things like you do realize that um for that to actually work for the rest of humanity most of us would have to die like that's not a sustainable solution for health and it's the same sort of thing goes with a lot of the solutions that we come up with this like you can't apply this to humanity (laughs) without fucking everything up and okay you know uh, wealthy people do this all the time you know oh well i'm not worried about this because i can just do this this and this well not everybody can do that and in fact you're one of the very very few people in this world that can do that and because of that you'll be fine in this situation but nobody else will and so um this is one of those uh concepts around there's there's an old philosophical idea behind ethics and morality in that if you are trying to do something that you feel is best for yourself consider what would happen if everyone else did that and consider whether that would that would be good for humanity in general 
and it's not it's there's exceptions that you can come up with to this sort of thing because people have diverse situations but it's kind of the idea of like okay well if you if you steal because you're hungry um, and on one side of you know an ethical argument could say well you know maybe that person is okay to steal because they're hungry but in the other way it's like well what if everybody stole whenever they were hungry that would that would not be a good society so instead the approach should be no we should provide for people who are hungry so they don't feel the need to steal and and you know we should we should come up with a with a communal solution that that we can all work together on so we don't have people who are starving that feel they need to steal and we're also not just it, the same sort of thing goes the other way like somebody saying oh well, you should just uh, fuck that person well what if everybody did that we just it would it would be a horrible crime against humanity if everybody said yeah. fuck you if you're hungry you can't eat and how about let's stop throwing away half the food that we oh produce don't even like get me started <laughs> i want to fucking scream whenever i like oh my god i actually just got into this little thing on reddit the other day where this person was trying to explain to me this this shit that that has been going on for years this this myth that's been going on for years that restaurant owners and the the business owners especially like franchise restaurants you know the the chains, the McDonald's, the Chili's, the Applebee's, the stuff like that. Um, th the argument that they make is actually that, oh, we can't not throw away the food. We can't donate that food because it's actually a legal liability. And we could get sued oh for that sort God. of thing. That makes me and sick, dude. It that, seems that is sickening. Well, it's really easy if, if you've got a restaurant ability. owner who says it's such an it's such an easy combat because it's like I'd love to give my food away, but I just can't because I could just get sued into the ground if if somebody uh happened to uh, happened to get sick. And guess what? It's a fucking law that you can't be held liable if you donate your food to a charity. Mm. It's actually it's been a law in the United States since the late 90s that it's called the Good Samaritan Law. If you give food or some kind of service in good faith to a recognized like like a like a legit charity, you are completely absolved from liability. The other thing that you can do, which people like to point to as a counter argument to that, will. You know, well, that's not what people are talking about. They're talking about getting giving away the food that you throw away for the, you know, at the end of the day or something. We can't just like build a food bank outside the restaurant. Well, guess what? You can actually offer free food, just like offer food at no charge to somebody if they come in and they're hungry. And restaurants around the world do this, around the country, I should say, but also around the world. Um, but I'm specifically talking about U.S. law here, but I'm sure that, that there's a similar thing in other places. Um, you can basically say that the, if you come in and you're hungry and you, you can't pay for your food, you're a homeless person, will offer you, you know, some, some spaghetti or something like that, like some very easy food. Or at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can give away your soup that, that didn't get eaten or something like that, and you are legally shielded from liability in that 
that situation. I mean, the thing about that is like that's, that shouldn't even be something that's like only if you can't pay for it. It's like, how about you just give away the food that you're going to fucking put in the trash? Because like, <laughs> what do you have to lose? Seriously, what do you have to lose from that? The people well, who the, are going to. That's the bullshit yeah. is that they they say that it's a legal thing. They say that it's a liability issue, but really what they have to lose is that they, they, and this is, they, uh, there's been a few times when they've said the quiet part out loud here. Why wouldn't people just wait till the end of the day and just get the free food? Why would they even come in and pay for the food? That's the thing, dude, is the people who are going in and paying for the food are not the people who are waiting till the end of the day to get the cold fucking food that's about to be thrown away like those the venn diagram of those fucking people is so small that it's completely negligible their their lines might touch there might be a few assholes that take that take advantage of the situation but it's the same sort of thing with social welfare like very few people actively attempt to escape work by taking advantage of social welfare programs. It's a very, very small amount of people. But that the I, the very idea of those people is used as a political tool to, um, to fight against social welfare programs, to say, well, and, and it, they never paint it this way, but this is the way that I paint it because it's, it's an admonishment, which I think they deserve. It's like, so you're willing to sacrifice the well-being of thousands, if not millions of people, so that a few hundred won't get a free ride because they took advantage of the system. That's what you're saying. Mm. And, and you know, that in, in their mind, it's at, it, the, the numbers are reversed. That's what the big problem is. No, you're right. actually going to be giving a free ride to millions of people, and there's only going to be a few hundred people or a few thousand people who actually benefit from this and need it. And, and those kinds of people to me are people who have never actually been in these kinds of situations or don't know what it's like, don't know people who are actively going through that. And, you know, it, 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 that's why it can be so valuable to do like volunteer work and things like that to, to where you can, you can get to know these kinds of people better and realize that like somebody going to a fucking food bank is not a freeloader. You don't want to go to a food bank. You don't want to go to a homeless shelter. You don't want to ask somebody, hey, I don't have anywhere else to go. Can I sleep on your couch because I'm I'm living on the streets right now? It's a horrible feeling. It's not something that you, you try and aspire to, which is a crazy thing that these people seem kind of kind of these kinds of people seem to think like they these kinds of people aspire to skirt by that they enjoy living in this sort of situation it's horrible it's, yeah i it's think a there's a, there's like a tiny tiny fraction of people who get some kick out of out of basically just being a parasite and just trying to steal like trying to just get as many free resources as they can but it's like it's again it's it's like, well, kind of like it's the same Jeff thing is like it's like sociopaths <laughs> it's like it's yeah you know less than one maybe one yeah, percent just tiny of, tiny percentage of people um yeah that are trying to take advantage but that's once again it's like 
like I, for me, I'm willing to let those people go. I'm like, okay, if they if I mean, that's, that's what a, they want to do, and it and and letting those people get to free ride and take advantage of the system means that we're going to help millions of 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 hungry people, which we have in America right now, and in a lot of other countries that are well developed countries. If it means that we can help those people but it also means that some people skirt by and take advantage and get a free ride. I think that's a, that's a very acceptable trade-off. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, so let's say one, one to 3% of people are sociopaths, right? So I'm just not going to trust anybody (laughs) because there's you a might. one there's a they might be a sociopath so i'm just gonna not trust anybody and that way we're good yeah right we avoid all potentialities of being manipulated or lied to or whatever and it's just mm-hmm. like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense you yeah. gotta it's you a gotta terrible just... way to live life and it's a terrible way to structure society yeah sometimes you're gonna have and this is honestly the same sort of thing of like with with criminals, you know. There's a um, there's two different camps on criminals, and that is one people who err on the side of of caution and compassion and understanding and give people the benefit of the doubt, which is how our justice system is supposed to be obviously from a philosophical standpoint the idea of being it's Innocent better until proven guilty yeah the the classic saying i believe is uh that i'm probably paraphrasing is better for 10 guilty men to go off free than for one innocent man to be um you know incarcerated it's better for us to to make some slip-ups and err on the side of caution than to falsely imprison people. Mm. And in the same way, it's better to err on the side of caution with our with our societal and cultural compassion and say, give people the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? This person probably isn't just a freeloader. This person would probably love to have, love to be a... a, a productive member of society because that's how we are naturally as human beings and it's pretty rare that somebody is not would not enjoy that better you know they there's all sorts of traumatic and and psychological issues that can go into it that can change their minds on that but that goes into the benefit of the doubt like i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and and think that you know you're you're probably a decent person deep down, even if you've been, even if you've acted a little shitty in this way or that, or even a lot shitty. And so we're going to try and help you, and we're going to try and uh, support you as a community and as a society, even if you're just bullshitting, because most people aren't doing that. It's just, mm. it's not good. It's not a fun way to live. But oh man. Bro, we are, uh, that was a quick hour and a half. Yeah, seriously. I, I looked at, I noticed that a couple minutes ago and I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, that it's was, about that time. That was quick. <laughs> it's about that it's time. About to wrap that up. time. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. This was a good one, though. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, me too. So, folks, we hope you enjoyed it, too. And um, stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. And um, and beware of sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> and be aware because you never know when you're going to turn the corner on a sociopath. Be very, very careful and uh, suspect everyone you see. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Love you. Love you, people. We will Late. see you next week. Well, there you have it, folks. We sure do hope that you enjoyed this episode of Casual Cognition. And if you did and you would like to support us, feel free to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can give us a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. We have a Patreon page. We got social media. We got we got the works. Feel free to tell us how much you love us on there because we sure do love you and we appreciate you coming on in and joining in the conversation please have a wonderful day or night and we'll catch you next time